Hey, welcome to another episode of the Padraplegics Podcast, sponsored by the Arizona Spinal Cord Injury Association. That is azspinal.org. You can find them uh, at the web at that, or you can call them at 602-507-4209. This podcast can be found on YouTube, also on azspinal.org forward slash podcast, or Spotify or iTunes, also on Facebook the Arizona Spinal Cord Injury Facebook page. The also, also, the I Use a Wheelchair, Yes, I Have a Life page. Uh, Don, Eric, and myself have 100-plus years of living with a disability. Uh, we are not medical professionals, so if you are having a medical issue, please contact your doctor, not us. We are, we are here just to give our experiences in life and talk to other people who have also had experiences of being disabled or living with a disability. There will be mature language and content. Sorry. Uh, don't, and don't sue us. If you sue anybody, sue Eric. He's the one with all the money. With us today is a special guest, Mr. Alan Drevnik. He is Alvin. a para. I said, that's what I said, right? I said Alvin. Alan. Oh, well, Alvin Drevnik. He's been a, he's been a para for twelve years. Alvin, what's up, buddy? Nothing much, man. How are you doing today? Good, man. Good. Chilling. Sorry if I I thought I said Alvin, but I could have said Alan. Who knows? Oh, it happens. It happens. Um. Yeah. So how how about you? Uh, maybe start us off a little bit and discuss kind of with with us w what your injury is what your level of injury is and how you became uh living with disabilities okay um i'm i believe t7 paraplegic i say that because i have a bullet wedged in my spine between t8 and t7 uh although the traumatic although the trauma was a little more extensive to that so it goes a little bit above t7 uh but um i'm a i'm an incomplete paraplegic um i deal with chronic pain ever since the night that i woke up in the hospital i've been on fentanyl and oxycodone as um as a breakthrough um and it's been 12 and a half years so far. So you, you're, you said you were a gunshot wound. Uh, yes. Um, man, did, would you like to talk about that? Or, I mean, no? Or, um, that, oh, I have, situation? No, I have no real bad, no big problems talking about it. No. Um, so how, how did uh, that happen? Well, I went out, um, went out one night on a December night in 2005 and or 2007 excuse me and um i was going to purchase some marijuana and i happened to ask a guy for a cigarette and he pulled out a gun and yeah it was a fight for my life at that point um i grabbed him he was able to pull the gun up and pop me in the back and i dropped like a sack of bricks wow oh well I I'm happy to see that you're here. Yeah, immediately, you know, immediately I knew something was wrong because I didn't feel lower extremities. I looked around for a hole. I couldn't find one. And afterwards, the guy came running back and 
he put the gun to my face again. Um, I had to beg for my life. I had to pull out a picture of my child and beg for my life. Over a cigarette? Over a cigarette, yeah. Holy cow. Wow. Well, I'm happy you're here with us. I'm happy you made it through that. That's a, that's a rough situation, man. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't help but feel terrible that that, that situation even happened. Oh, I, I, in all honesty, in my heart, that's not the toughest part. Um, the toughest part was the fact that um, he got off on a stand your ground charge somehow. And I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. I can understand if I had a weapon or something. I could understand if I was in the wrong, if I was threatening him or something. But none of that, it, it wasn't like that. Arizona has some laws, man. It's heavy. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. Arizona for you. I mean, a lot, a lot of other states that, that, wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't necessarily fly like that. But, I mean. That's the state we live in, you know. Um, yeah. he, uh, he claimed that you were a threat to him. And yes. He was just defending himself. Yes. Yes. Um, just from you asking was, for a cigarette. I was bigger than him. You know, I outweighed him. I oversized him. I intimidated him, and his his argument was he pulled out the gun because he was afraid. I rushed him because I didn't want to get shot. I mean, I, I grabbed the gun. I'm not, I, I've been, you know, in my life, I grew up in, I was born and raised in New York. I've had a gun stuck in my face before. I, it, it, it angers me. It really, really angers me. Someone tried, it, I mean, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I was upset at the time and I was really trying to defend myself. Wow, heavy. You know, so when you when you look back at those kind of situations, I mean, have those did that situation maybe change your mind in like how you feel about gun control in this country or how you feel about rights to own and carry weapons? I, I mean, I think I think if anything, it strengthened my feelings um, personally. I've always felt. Yes, you do have a right to own a firearm, but with those rights come inherent responsibilities. Those responsibilities are more important than the rights are. You can't go out and buy 30, 40 guns and then just sell someone with, just sell one to someone without knowing what's going to happen to that gun. You have to be more responsible towards that. And because of that, I'm more, I'm more in favor of enhanced background checks. I think that any gun, no matter what, if it's sold to a family member, it doesn't matter who, it should, there should be a record of that. I think, I mean, hell, you have to do it with a vehicle. Why not a gun? Right. Yeah. Eliminating straw purchases. I mean, that's, that's been a thing. That's the you biggest know, gun, gun lobbyists. It, yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and, and not, against. not being open to that, that just, that is a way of no matter how you look at it, passively supporting gun violence. Alvin, do you, because do you that know, is the end of it. Alvin, do you know if the, the guy that shot you owned that gun legally or illegally? Do you have any idea? I would say that he had gotten the gun illegally done because he threw the gun away. 
Right. In my opinion, when you're standing your ground, that means you don't run from the pole. You don't run after the incident happens. You stand there and stand your ground. Right. He yeah. took off. That makes sense. Yeah, I agree with you. He threw yeah, the gun were. and took off. Yes. And they actually had to lock down the, uh, the hospital that night. And anybody who asked, uh, anybody who tried to come and visit me that wasn't a family member was told that I was deceased. What? Wow. Yeah. So did they track him down through the gun, or how did they track this guy down? They, they tracked him down because they they knew where he was. They, the guy came out of his apartment. No, they, he came out of his apartment, came downstairs, and I asked him. The neighbors identified him. Two little girls came up. Two 16-year-old girls came running over to me after I was laying there on the floor. One called 911 for me. The other one called my mother so I could say goodbye. Oh, wow, man! I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to say. That's a, that's a, that's a heavy story. I'm, I'm, it again, was really, it was traumatizing for both my mother and I. I mean, I had to say goodbye to my mother, and then when you look at the current situation with, with what's going on, and you see that man that was laying down crying for his mother when he had a knee on his neck. Believe me when I say, I was in bed crying like a baby for for more than 24 hours because it renders them some PTSD crap with me, man. And that happened, and of all of all weeks, happened to be Memorial, uh, you know, Memorial Day weekend, and I, my therapist, that was the day that I missed my therapist session because of that week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's heavy. Just I'm glad you're, again, I'm glad you're here, man. Thank you know, like that's that's a story that not a lot of people can live to tell. Um, yep. You know, I mean, living with a disability is difficult, but it's it's better than not living, right? I mean, you know, I think we can. I think a lot of us can can kind of relate to that you feeling know, of. I just recently joined um, a Facebook chronic pain group, um, so I could have a little outreach and someone asked, someone had asked me well how do you do it um well how do you not it's a do or die situation you know either you live with the disability or you die with the disability and i i choose to live i choose to live as much as possible i'm with you i, th I think that's a great way to look at it um i think that's the kind of the way that that all of us do look at that as well i mean that's kind of the point of this what we're doing you know i mean to get stories like this out so People can understand that, you know, like even the hardest times that we've been through, even the hardest times that humans can even go through, like you can still make steps and live a life and be happy with the life that you have, you know, it's, yeah. it's better than not having one. Right. So, yeah, without a doubt. Could I, uh, could I ask a favor uh, after we get done here, will you go ahead and send me that link for the chronic pain? And what I'll do is I'll put it up in the, uh, when I post this, I'll put it up in the information so that people can access that. For sure, no problem. Okay, cool. I mean, speaking of chronic pain, um, you know, I, I'm also a sufferer of chronic pain. Um, you know, I, me and you talked just a couple of nights or a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, I think it was. Uh, yeah. You know, um, you know, I've, I've suffered from substance abuse because of the chronic pain and all those type of situations. Um, 
for you, I mean, what works for you and what doesn't maybe as far as controlling what the chronic pain that you have? Um, well, primarily medication. Um, I also use heat therapy, massage therapy. Um, I stretch when I can. If, you know, it, it doesn't, the stretching doesn't help much because of the location of the, of the pain and the fact that it's in a specific spot. Uh, at times I feel that the stretching may exacerbate it because it happens to be like right under where a fragment of the bullet is and the pain comes from spasm. So it's like it's already been stretched and pulled and that's why it's hurting in the first place. Yeah. What I do, I do use a lot of heat therapy. Um, I have a 24 inch by 24 inch uh, heating pad that I'm always on. So Alvin, Isn't I guess, harder than, oh, go ahead, Don. Yeah, so, so Alvin, I guess there was nothing surgically they could do to remove the, the bullet or reduce the okay. pain or was well, that at the, an option? Okay, at the time, the argument was that they didn't want me, they didn't want to risk spinal meningitis. Later, I found out that the truth of the matter is when it comes to a gunshot injury, they prefer to leave the bullet in if they don't have to go in, if they don't have to go in and remove it because it's a life-threatening injury, then they prefer to move it in, the leave it in because they say it'll just grow scar tissue around it and it'll be inert. But I've found out through my uh, through my physiatrist that I can get a myelogram to see if it's laying on the nerves, which I know it is, but whether or not they can remove it at this point. And if they can remove it, that's something that I'm very open to because I feel that it can definitely change things as far as my spasticity, the pain that I'm in, and who knows, maybe more. You know, I've had a myelogram before, and that is that is no fun. Um, have you had that before? No, I have not yet. No. So I've had it uh, twice in my life because when I had my spinal surgery, they needed to do that to uh, make sure that there wasn't going to be anything in the way and stuff like that. They, and uh, what they do is they, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if they've changed their procedures since when I've had it, but when I had it, they inject uh, faintly radioactive material. And then what they do is they, they tip the body up and down like this, yes. and then they wash the fluid in the x-ray to see, you know, where the nerves are connected, disconnected, where, you know, it lights up the image. And, um, but then after that, you can't move for like 24 hours because even moving, like you like moving will make you super sick i mean i i got sick both times just and this is where you had to lay on your stomach to do this correct yeah yeah they put like a six inch needle and they inject it in between the vertebrae and they, they numb that all up and then they inject it in and then they put in their radioactive material and then they they do this I'm not trying to scare you. I mean, if it's no, scary, no, yeah, no. The scary. only reason, the only reason that I actually haven't gone through it yet is because last year I was well, and I'm still going through a lot of, um, a lot of, di uh, you know, digestive issues, and yeah. laying on my stomach for a period of time 
wasn't an option. And I was told that it was going to be an hour plus. And yeah, it's, it's in, a long the 12, in the 12 years that I've been paralyzed, I have maybe laid on my stomach for a total of five hours, you know, at that. Really? So, yeah, I've, so I'm not accustomed to that and it's very uncomfortable. And then having the digestive issues on top of that, it was, I just couldn't do it last year. I wasn't ready for it. They can't of, give you, they can't do anesthesia or something for that. I mean, they can't like give you like some type of anesthesia, it. knock you out. Well, I have looked into that. Um, there is, I can get a brachial plexus nerve block. Um, which they say will quell some of the pain that I'm getting from that area, but I haven't really been. I'm I'm strange about getting. That's another thing. I'm very nervous about getting needles in my back and stuff. It really. I've heard negative things about those, anyways. For for sure, I've heard negative things. Yep. I know uh, that was offered to me. Um, yeah, because of I have spared feeling in you know like in in my in my butt like the you know like this right there on the tailbone and all those kind of th- places right you know in my bladder and I I can feel it, like a lot of that stuff a lot of nerve pain there and uh, they they've offered me those those injections to try to to get rid of that but they said one of the major side effects is, is that you can lose control of your bowels. And for me, like that, that doesn't, you know, like, I, don't, I don't, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather have a little nerve pain than to have to worry about be, not being in control of my bowels for who, who knows how long months. Right. You know? So yeah, those are, those are, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, would, that would be your choice and up to you and your doctor to talk about. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an expert. In that, in that. How much, how much control do you have over your bowels right now? Um, it's pretty good. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't ever have any, any accidents, you know, I mean, I can tell, I can feel when, when I need to go, you know, so like, um, if it, if it comes down to the fact that it's like, oh man, I need to go, like I can tell. So, wow. you know, you're a, you're a rare quad. It should yeah. happen. Yeah. You tell me. Right? <laughs> um, uh, I mean, you know, I, I have issues like maybe once, uh, once a year, twice a year three times at most um within the last couple of years it's increased because of the digestive issues but um for the most part i can't control but i my body my body is just regular i guess you can say so as long as i take care of things and manage it on a regular basis i'm usually fine as long as there's nothing wrong can you uh talk a little bit more about how you control the pain now what you're what you're using to keep it in um in check i guess yeah you said the heating pad and this massage how about you know pharmaceuticals what are you pharmaceutically i'm on quite a heavy dose of opiates um 100 micrograms of fentanyl and um a total of 80 milligrams of oxycodone daily uh, and that's that could be down, that could be the one of the roots of of your stomach issues. That's yep. down from the hundred uh, from the two hundred 
to 150 of my uh, of fentanyl and 160 of oxy. Oh wow! So yeah, that's so a, that's, a, that's a heavy down. one. So yeah, they cut it. They cut it in half. And well, uh, I had a very bad incident where um, where I was burglarized and everything was in my safe, but they stole the safe. Uh, I went through hell with this Tempe police department trying to get everything back. Uh, they just didn't believe in me. Um, and end up the person that robbed me. Um, he had stolen a gun and killed two people. I mean, that's so one thing too, you know, we can tell you that me and you probably understand very well. I mean, the stigmatism of being on opiates, you get treated like you get treated like you're, you're an addict or, addict, or a criminal no fan, yes. no matter what. And no matter if you go to a hospital or anything of the sort, if you tell them that you're on a high dose of opiates, you automatically get treated like you're a drug seeker. And yeah, yeah. They, that's why when we were we were talking, I was explaining to you, man, every time I do go to the hospital and I'm in pain or something like that, I make sure that I bring my fentanyl patches. I make sure that I bring my pills. That way they can sit there and they can count them and they have no, you know, they, I shut them down with that one. Um, at the for the most part they uh, they'll sit there and question things still but you know it's like they can't sit there and say that i'm abusing or anything like that they can't sit there and say that you know i'm doing something wrong there's something wrong and they need to identify it that's why i usually end up staying there for three or four days when i do go yeah i mean i think that's something that definitely needs to change in the medical world um you know i mean it's it's not our fault that we're on these opiates a lot of times it's a prescription from a doctor right i mean that's how we, we've discussed this many times especially for me like that's how i became addicted to opiates is from a doctor it's not from you know what I mean? it's it's not because i was like hey i want to find a way to get some opiates like the doctor was like you need these and then you instantly you become you know now you're an addict you're you need them i mean you you know I mean? not necessarily a junkie or an addict but you 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 need them physiology yeah, physiologically yeah, yeah um you know, you know what i mean got, like, i just actually had a um had my meeting with pain management today and i was speaking about uh you know talking to you in regards to the way that because i woke up on fentanyl i don't get that high euphoria from it but yet i do have that physical dependency um, no matter what, that's going to be there. And, you know, as you and I were speaking about it, for me to get, for me to make changes, I have to get off of that so my body is no longer physically dependent on it. That's yeah, a I mean, battle like a... Yeah, that's a, it's, it's, it's a mental hurdle and it's also a physical hurdle, you know? I mean, I think, you know, to, to kind of cue everybody in on that conversation i mean that was one of the things that we were speaking about when we talked on the phone is he was trying to want he's wondering how he could figure out a way to better manage his pain and when you're on such high doses of opiates it it's difficult to to find out a way to manage your pain otherwise because you're physically dependent upon opiates so if you go ahead so you know I'm asking as someone who was lucky enough to never have chronic pain. So no, no judgment here at all. I'm just mm -hmm. curious when, 
when you're using opiates over the long term, does it lose its uh, efficacy? I mean, do you need to take more and gradually more and more to keep the pain level down? Um, I'm just curious if that's a phenomenon. I, I, I believe so. I mean, I know for me, it was always, it was, a, it was a steady hill up, right? And then once I made the decision that I, did, I, I needed to try something else, then it was a slow, 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 slow decline, take you know? But yeah, I mean, you don't you don't get a feeling of of euphoria or a high if it's something that you're continuously taking, right? Like, and you're taking it the way you're supposed to, and you know your body becomes, I don't know, I guess uh, used to it, or you know, and, to a and degree, and yeah, and so that's where that's and as we were discussing that's where my biggest fear is because my body is now used to this and you know i explained that it was last week when i made a mistake and i slipped up and i missed putting on a patch for a day or changing it over and while it does have enough medicine to keep giving you a little bit um it dramatically drops and the amount of pain that I was going through also the physiological effects of it. Um, I had heightened spasticity. Uh, my body was just, it just wasn't doing well. And upon putting that patch on an hour later, hour and a half later, my body had readjusted. A lot of the pain was gone. The spasticity had reduced quite dramatically. Um, you know, it, it there was a very noticeable physiological effect from it. And that is where, as we were discussing, my fear comes from. It's the pain and also everything that I know is going to come at me when I start to reduce that. And I don't want to be in a clinical environment and have to do that. I mean, to be paralyzed and then at a drug treatment center yeah. That that's I think in my opinion that's worse than being in a nursing home because they don't even have the capability, the facilities or knowledge to address my physical needs as far as being disabled. So that's something that I know that I have to also do at home at my own pace and I have to figure out my own way of doing it and just take it a step at a time, man. You know, the only way to walk a mile is one step at a time. You, right. you know, I mean, Alvin, go ahead. If, if I may, um, I've been working on trying to change the conversation with some of the, the rehabilitation centers. And uh, there are some centers out there that might not be able to offer a solution for you, um, where you can be in a center and titrate down some and at least have some understanding. Um, now, I'm not saying it's they're going to have everything um it, it wouldn't like it wouldn't be like being in the hospital but they they would have a rehab program they would have some stuff that you could access um there, i think the, also we talked about having them allow caregivers to come in yep right? so yep that's that's correct um i i've been working with a, a place called crossroads mm -hmm. and uh, and then also um there's people that will do uh, remote medical assisted treatment so they, um, they could actually help you even while you're staying there. Um, they have treatment centers where 
they slowly titrate and it's really a slow, they do it slowly. Because I've, I've heard where doctors, what they'll do, is, and I've heard this sometimes where, you know, they say, oh, you're using this, now we're going to bring you down this. And it's just a huge yep. leap and people just suffer. Yes. You know? That's how, that's how it happened in the beginning of last year when, um, when they first introduced the new laws. They they started making such aggressive drops that actually insurance intervened, and yeah. insurance said no, we're we're not going to pay for this low of a dose. We're only going to pay for something higher because we understand what it's going to do to the man. And uh, I went through I went through a whole lot of craziness in and out of a hospital because of that, and actually because i was in and out of the hospital uh the way that i was my doctors were supporting me insurance was supporting me the only thing that i had a problem with was finding pain management that would support me uh, because um i guess there's a lot of confusion within the medical within the medical world about what the opioid what the new opioid dosing guidelines say. And a lot of people don't know that when you're under, when you're at 60, 60 to 90 morphine equivalents daily, your primary care physician can actually write you that prescription. But primary care physicians will no longer write prescriptions because of the stigma of opioid abuse. They don't want to be looked at, scrutinized and stuff like that when they're just trying to help their patients out. And then when you look at pain management, they have an issue with writing them. They don't want to write them themselves, so they use it. So they, uh, they leave that to their PAs. And instead, what they push is more of procedural stuff. And every time I've gotten a procedure where they've given me injections in my back, it's screwed up my back even more because after getting the injection, yeah, you're, you're numb for a little while, but at the same time, you sit there and you use that muscle that's now numb and you're overusing it. So when that, you know, when that goes, when that stops numbing you, it hurts even more. And well, it's just, it's a little bit worse. You know, it, it's also a money game, man. You know, <clears throat> it's a money game for those guys. You know, pain management clinics wouldn't be, wouldn't be around if, if they didn't prescribe you drugs, you know, like it, it's, it's a, it's a difficult process for you for, you know, as the end user, as the patient, um, you know, and, and something that's something we talked about the other day, you know, you have to take that into your own hands. So you, you have three resources with being your primary care, your physiatrist, and then your pain management. And you need to make sure that you make the best decision for you out of those three people, right? Mm -hmm. So don't necessarily take what a pain management clinic tells you as, okay, that's what I have to do. Because you also have to realize, too, that that's how they make money. Right. And without you being there and being on a heavy dose of fentanyl and a heavy dose of this and a heavy dose of that, they're losing a lot of money, right? Like they're losing you being there and being a, you know, a, uh, yes, yeah, to come I mean, every that, every two weeks or every to, week. The place that I go to, they 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 don't even accept insurance. So um, you know, once a month, I have to dole out two hundred and twenty dollars in cash. Well, my dad does, but still, um, two hundred and 
220 goes, you know, uh, that, that puts a dent in the pocket every month. I mean, every it year. It makes you feel like a drug addict, too, doesn't oh, it? Oh, no shit. Yeah, yes. It's you know, terrible, I go man. Because I'm going to a drug Yes. Yes, yeah. without a doubt. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. She wrote me a, a prescription for massage therapy today. Um, so that's one thing that I'm definitely, I'm going to go at voraciously, man. Yeah, that was one of the major things that helped me. You know, we talked about that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Massage, I, I, I get them, I get them four times a week, man. Really? You know, like, yeah. Cause now, in it's home, just, in home or out? In home. Yeah. Really? Um, I, yeah, I, so I like, and through, through insurance or do you pay for it? Uh, I actually have people that I know that oh, are okay. massage yeah. therapists. So like then, and then I also have a massage therapist that works for me. So mm-hmm. that also like, you know, it, it's kind of a blessing, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed in that, in that way that she's willing to do that. Like while she's working for me, you know, right. It's not That's an extra cost nice. over top, you know, That's very nice. but that yeah. was a huge thing for me. Like that was a, that was a big deal to be able to, to keep, you know, to keep some of the pain and especially in your shoulders and your neck and your lower back, like places like that, like those massage is huge, man. Like, cause our muscles get tense and tight and we overuse things that we can't feel. Yep. And you know, it, it can, it can cause real problems, you know? So for me, I, I, I it was a big deal. I've had some positive experiences with that as well. Um, I actually tried uh, something called cranial sacral. It's very light massage. I mean, they, they do very little, actually. They just touch the back of the head and put their hand underneath the shoulders. And for me, it was just, it worked wonderful. It, it felt like I had all this stuff that was clogged up in my legs and just drained out. So it was, it was interesting. It, it's, it's, but it's not for everyone. I can tell well, you. Well, yeah. Uh, Sean and I, were, when Sean and I were talking yesterday, um, I was explaining to him that, you know, even having my back rubbed lightly, um, it, it causes some kind of comfort. There is some soothing to it. Um, especially when, especially when on the days when I can feel that bullet there, um, there are you know, every once in a while, eh, I can just feel it. And it's like someone's digging an ice pick into my back. And that's oh. when, that's when you just, you need, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's just the, the physical contact that helps or what, but, you know, even lightly rubbing it helps a lot. You know, you can also defer, it it helps you defer feeling, you know, defer, like defer it. So like if you have one spot that's really bad, right? Like if they, if they're touching around it or somewhere near it or or in a different spot, it'll defer nerve feelings, right? So like you now your, your body and your, your brain is focused on where, they're touching as opposed to the spot maybe that is hurting so bad, you know, like it's, at least for me, like that, it works very well for me when I'm having like a lot of bladder pain. Mm-hmm. I'll Tell get, me, do any, say what? Uh, do any of you have uh, like where your nerves are crossed up and like, say um, I scratch my chest and I can feel it in my legs. Um, uh, I don't know. Not that, not not like that, but somewhat for me. Yeah, I, get I, that. I get that with temperatures. So, you know, something cold touches my leg, for example. I feel it in my, my right side or my left side. 
uh, totally unrelated to where it is. Yeah, so I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Have you yeah, ever tried, uh, Elvin, I'm sorry, have you ever tried acupuncture? No, I have not. No, no. Um, honestly, I, I have... I have a um a, a condition about needles in the back. Um, um, anything in the back at this point, um, it screws with me on a PTSD level. I get, uh, I have a physical reaction. I break down and I start crying. Um, it, yeah. Um, but I, I do try. I, it's something that I really would like to try, honestly. Um, uh and I, I try to push myself through stuff like that. You know, that's why I have the dog. I have something that's not acupuncture that has a similar effect. They're letting me try this out. Um, it's called Alpha Stim. Can you guys see that? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what it is, is these two are just like round probes with like a little pad on them. And it puts just a very low current. And just to give you an example, um, uh, someone I work with had some lower back pain from lifting. And so his muscles were all tight and tense. And, and it was actually pretty bad. He was in a pretty high pain level. And we took about a minute and just placed the probes in what's called cross-sectioning the, the, the sore area. So we cross-sectioned it. And... It went from like a pain level eight to a pain level four, and then we did it one more time at the end of the day, and it went all the way down to zero. Um, so it was really interesting how that was able to help him. And you really don't feel anything. I mean, if anything, the the you put like this little uh, electrolysis fluid on there, so it can it can uh, take the current, but you really don't feel it. It's not something you feel. You feel the moisture, and that's about it. Um, and then. And then they're just handheld probes, so it's just, you know, you're not, you're lightly touching. Um, so it's a real light touch sort of situation. It's nothing where you would feel any extreme pressures at all. Um, and it, it's similar to the TENS unit, but it's kind of like a next evolution of the TENS unit because what you're doing is you're doing, you can do the patches for it, but they're not as effective as you do the probes. So if you have someone that could have, I'm sorry? How do we sign up for that? Well, um, unfortunately, if you're with the VA, you can get this. They'll prescribe it. It's FDA approved. You can get through the VA. Not a problem. If you're not through the VA, um, it's one of these things that it's kind of an out-of-pocket thing. They don't have insurances backing it up yet. But they're getting there. They're getting there. They have, they have some of the codes, but they don't have all the codes. I think they said they have the M code, which I don't fully understand all that. Um, but um, what is it called, it, Eric? What is it called, and how much is it? Uh, Alpha Stim. Um, it it and and the one that I have is the one that has the probes. It's Alpha Stim M, and it also has the ear clips, so it helps with uh, bringing the uh, the mind to an alpha state by clipping your ears. Now this you do feel, by the way, when you put the clips on, it feels like someone's knocking on your skin, going. Like that, yeah. so it's 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 a little it's different, but I I can tell you I tried it and it it does have an effect. I mean I was feeling it. They have a little pen that you can buy too, so it's like an acupuncture pen, um, but it's not 
quite as heavy as acupuncture and you move it around and it doesn't, it won't do anything until it finds like the nerve. And once it hits the nerve, then you can like, it'll, it feel like you'll feel your nerve start to, and it'll start ticking on it. It feels a little bit like a tattoo, like you're getting a tattoo, but not quite as, quite as uh, painful um, in some spots. So, I mean, I use that. Uh, I had one of those, and it, that was that was only like thirty five dollars. Um, I can't, you know, I can't reach it right now, or, or I'd show it to you. But oh, I wish this was only worth that. This one's expensive. Yeah. It's it's yeah. almost a thousand dollars. I mean, it's expensive. Um, but you know, they're letting me use it. I have it in my office. So, I mean, if you ever want to give it a shot, just come in and we'll try it out. I mean, you know, let me know. Sounds good. So, yeah. So I guess for my question for you is Alvin, where do you want to see yourself in the next year as far as pain management goes? Do you want to see yourself making moves off of opiates? Do you want to see yourself kind of trying to find a sweet spot there and continue on opiates? I mean, what are what are some of your your ideas and your thoughts on on what where you'd see yourself in a year? Um. Well, uh, in a year, honestly, um, well, within within the next year, I do plan on getting the myelogram, as I said, and seeing if I can get the bullet removed from the spine. Um. Other than that, medication wise, um. I'm trying to get myself to a point where I have very, I, I take care of all of the underlying medical effects that I'm dealing with right now. Um, I deal with any outside stressors that I'm dealing with right now. And I can put myself in a place where I can look at making an adjustment to the amount of opiates that I'm taking in and possibly titrate from that point. But I do know that, you know, having the outside stressors, having the underlying uh, medical issues, they do happen to exacerbate the pain. And to try to do two things at once in that manner, like increasing pain while decreasing pain medication, uh, I, I have to be a little bit smart about what I'm doing, rather not you know, rather not make, rather not make moves that are inconsequential, rather not make moves that aren't going to help, that are just going to complicate things even more. Um, right now, I know that I'm at the point where I can maintain. Um, as I've said, if anything, I've been, I've come down quite a bit off of what I've been on. So I'm very comfortable with that. Uh, the last thing that I want to do is go up. Um, that's that's not an option, no matter what. Um, I it's not an option for them. It's also not an option for me. Um, yeah, I, you know when you're talking about getting some of the underlying issues taken care of, like that that'll that'll tell you what your true pain level is. Because right. right now you don't you might not necessarily know what your true pain level is because you may have pain in your stomach that 
could be taken care of, right? And you get that taken care of, and now all of a sudden, oh, wow, man, like my number's way lower, right? Because I was having pain in other places or there's other issues going on, you know, that cause you spasticity, then cause you pain, right? Or it causes you mental stress, and then that mental stress just exacerbates the pain that you already have. Like there's so many different things that could make your number so much higher. Whereas when you, if you get rid of those, maybe you could find a true pain number and then be able to find what works for you to manage that number. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, and having, having a therapist to talk to also really helps a lot. Um, when it comes to the self-confidence in doing it and also, just the way that you look at yourself in general um, and the way you feel about yourself, it does definitely help in a, uh, a great deal. Elvin, has your therapist, have they worked anything with uh, mindfulness with you? Um, Say again? With mindfulness, have they worked with any sort of like uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy or anything like that? Where they'll, uh, they'll have you meditate, stuff like that? Yeah, she's, she's tried, um, she's tried, we've worked on it before, uh, both from, both over the video, over video um, med that we're doing now, and while she was here in my presence, I've had bad days where, um, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't think, and I, it just wasn't working for me, so she would just tell me, you know, close your eyes, lay back. And she would practice breathing exercises with me and, you know, try to help me in that kind of, kind of sense. Okay. All right. Did you notice more pain or less pain when you were doing stuff like that? Um, I, in all honesty, I noticed some decrease in pain. Um, I would, I could say that had I did it, you know, if I was doing it on more of a regular basis and I were, I was able to get get a grasp of it myself. Um, I would probably benefit from it much, much more. But it's a lot harder to focus. For me, it's a lot harder to focus when I'm in pain. And so when I'm trying to do it myself when I'm in pain, it just doesn't work as well as having someone there are even um i found uh i found a place i found a i, I don't know it it's a facebook cast but it was all about mindfulness and it's about meditation and she she goes in and she describes and all you have to do is sit there lay back and listen i've come to find that trying stuff like that when i'm by myself in a room quietly that can help decrease it a bit. Um, it can help put my mind off of it. And with new focus, it knocks the pain level down a bit. Okay. Now you're a hip hop fan, right? You're a yeah. hip hop guy? Yeah. RZA does it. RZA has a whole series in which he, he goes through and does uh, my, you know, mindful, you know, relaxations stuff like that yeah i remember i recall you saying something about that in the last men's group meeting i have to look into yeah. that yeah man he's he's big into that he uh he and he does it it's for free it's on their web it's on their website 
And I, and I don't know if it's his website or their website. I can get that. I can find that for you and get that to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. That's, that's a big thing. And one thing I want you to know too, you know, dude, you're not in this alone, man. Like I, I yeah. promise you that like there's people here for you and, and it's, it's not easy. I'm not going to tell you that because it's not, you know, like I, I'm seven, seven some years now or something like that. I don't, for me, it, it's not easy, man. I got my days where I'm like, man, dude, I wish I just had some pills to take. Right. But you, you can get through it and you can find a spot that is, is easier for you to be in. It'll be easier on your body. Right. Like, you know, not necessarily taking all of these opiates. I mean, those things can do a major number on your body physically, you know, like your, your liver, your kidneys, your bowels. It, it's all difficult when you're taking that, those kind of, that kind of medication. And, and I know it's hard to make those steps and, and to get to, a place that you know where your goals are so just know that you're not in it alone man like there's people out there even if you need to go to like meetings you know I, I i've been to i couldn't even tell you how many aa meetings you know like it, it helps those right. kind of things help you know? one last one last question i know we're short on time here but and this is this could probably be a whole episode but do you guys use medical marijuana for pain relief at all is that Take yeah. the edge off as well. Yeah, it 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 can. Um, it has a tendency, um, but I've been I've also been using medical marijuana for the last twenty plus years. So um, <laughs> it it uh, it has a, a much different effect towards me than it would towards your average non-user. How's that? How so? Well, um, because after, as Sean was saying earlier, with, uh, you know, with everything, you build up a physical tolerance to it. Um, so as of like right now, I smoke like roughly an eighth a day, whereas that's, uh, that's quite a bit. Sure. I mean, it depends. It, it all, that, that all depends. You know, I know people who smoke quarters a day. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, yeah. so mm -hmm. it, it, it's a lot, but it, it also, it also cannot, it, it can be just right. Right. Like, well, yeah. I mean, that's the well, thing with mar with the mar with marijuana itself. It's, 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 it's a personal experience, man. Like that's a, that's something that you would have to get into and you'd have to personally find out what, what kind, what strains, what amount, what you know like all those things how and how you ingest it you know some people don't like smoking it some people like to you know vape it some people like to eat it some people like to drink it you know there's yeah, so so you know, so, that's a like personal currently, experience currently what i what i smoke in flour is my is my monthly allotment i'm right on point with that pretty much yeah I mean, I, I'm, I also, I also am with you. I, you know, I, I, I use marijuana, um, for, but I, I don't necessarily use it for as much pain management as I do for uh, relaxation for sleep. Uh, right. You know, like I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, smoke. I, I use it more for the, exactly. I use it more for relaxation, sleep, um, stress, anxiety, mental break for me, man. I, you know, I think, you know, I get I get a mental break for for an hour of, you know, because it doesn't put me in a, in a spot where I'm thinking about what my problems are. You know, sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's many ways to use it. Um, 
down just i mean for your question you know there's many ways to use it and there's many benefits that you can get from it um, i think it's a it's a very personal experience and uh and, and you would have to find out what it is you're exactly trying to gain from using it medically right and then find the means in which you want to use it and then also find the dosages in which work best for you so it's a very I mean, personal yeah, you experience. can get you can get anything from zero thc to you know an amount of thc to pure thc uh roughly right. pure thc but yeah yeah i mean you can get tinctures you can get little eyedroppers you just drop in your mouth right i mean you can do it so many different ways and and i think that that's a you know that is a, a discussion all in itself there especially don like that that's that's a whole thing in itself i hear you but i appreciate the information man thanks for sharing and being so open with us alvin oh no of course alvin just it's a blessing to have friends absolutely you know alvin i want to bounce off of what sean said you know you you are not alone um and and uh I and the people I work with at the Spinal Cord Injury Association, we're trying to change that dynamic where people feel like they have to be alone to make this change to better their life, however that is, whatever you're trying to do. And what, we're, what I'm trying to do is to change some of the conversation with some of the organizations so that they can allow caregivers and, and allow higher level disabilities to be able to access something that everyone else is able to access, and which is, you know, um, rehabilitation, treatments, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, be able to have it. However you choose to proceed, I mean, that's entirely up to you, of course. Um, I'm not trying to push anything on you. I'm, but I am trying to say is we are working on it so that you don't have to do it alone, so that you don't feel like you're isolated and alone in this situation regardless of what you're going to work towards. Okay. So feel free to reach out to Sean, feel free to reach out to Don. I, you know, we are, we are dedicated to what we're doing. Thank you. Yeah, man. And like I said before, dude, uh, anytime, I mean, we talked on the phone yesterday, bro. Anytime you're struggling, you have issues, you have, you have anything you want to talk about, you know, like any of that stuff, just hit me up, man. You know, if, if I can't answer, I'll call back. You know, I, mean, yeah. it, I, I know much, how it is. Bro. I know how it feels, bro. I know, I know how it feels to, to feel that way. To feel like there's nowhere you can go. Sometimes, like there's no way to get rid of it, right? Like you just feel like you're stuck sometimes, and and it's it's not a good feeling. And I I can relate, and I can empathize, and I can and I can help you as much as I can. Right. I mean, I could be there for you and, and give you resources and all those kind of things as much as I can. Thank so you, anytime, bro, anytime. We, and I appreciate you coming on here and being so honest about everything. I mean, your, your story is, your story is un, unbelievable. Um, your heart, you know, your, your determination, your heart, your will is, is, is unbelievable, bro. Like you're a good dude, man. And uh, we really, we really, really, really do appreciate you coming on here and talking about it. Yeah, thank you. The uh, the community of people that will be seeing this, you know, they'll benefit from it. I I guarantee it. I mean, you're. It takes a lot of courage to be able to Thanks, tell your story, you know. Thanks, Elder and Mocha. 
<laughs> yeah, we forgot to mention the dog there. Oh yeah, yeah. Might be her. All right. What's the dog's name? Mocha. That's a that's a that's a that's a good therapy dog right there, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She can divert attention very well. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, man. Hey, I think I think that's about all of our time. Um, Again, bro, I appreciate it. We appreciate you you guys. Thank you very much, man. We'll let you know when this gets up, so you can post it out and, and get it out to anybody. You know. Yeah, thank all you. Your people. In about two weeks, I should have this up. I'm going to try to get it up quick. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Hey, man. Appreciate it. Hey, guys. Again, it was awesome. It was fun. Absolutely. But it's always got to come to an end. We'll see you again in a couple weeks. Love you guys. Take care. Take care. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye, guys. Peace. Peace.